make sure I'm unmuted. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning, if you will. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. We're going to go back here one more time about this issue of grace giving um, and so forth. And uh, it's an interesting thing when you, again, when you talk about money and giving and so forth, and when you think about it from a uh, doctrinal point of view and sound doctrine, if you will, and, and, and it's really a, 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 a wonderful thing to have the proper attitude about it. And that proper attitude only comes from the sound doctrine. It doesn't come from me, you know, making you do it or your mom and dad making you do it or your grandma and grandpa. It comes from a clear understanding of the doctrine. Second Corinthians 9, here's our text verses, if you will, that we were kind of looking at last time and we will spend more time in this week. But this I say... He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread to your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but it is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God, whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God. For your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And I know, by the way, I know verse 15. I read all that for you because we're going to be really talking about all of that in various different ways. Verse 15, that unspeakable gift has a context, and the context is money. The context is giving, okay? And it's giving from the proper grace attitude. And that's what we talked about last time. Grace giving is all about the heart attitude. It isn't a grudging thing. That's what verse uh, 7 just told us. It's not of a grudgingly. It's cheerfully. It's an understanding of, of the very fact that in Ephesians 1, I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. Colossians 2, I've been complete in Christ. I have it all. So giving isn't going to get me more. Giving is because I appreciate, I have a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving. See, towards the doctrine and then towards God himself. So grace giving is really all about that heart attitude, that understanding that we're not under Israel's program. <laughs> You're not under give it or else. You're not under the obligation to give, to gain the more from God. Rather you have that wonderful chance and opportunity to say, I value that. And I'm going to come then with an attitude, a proper thought process. And our motivation, it should come from that heart of thanksgiving to God for who He has made us in His Son, for His grace. And we, have, we then, then we can come along and we can take care of the place the local assembly, the pastor, the teacher. We can come in and we can begin to take, take care of those who are preaching the Word. That, that's why if you look over at Galatians 6, you know, Paul's been dealing with the Galatians and they're in bad doctrine big time. And in Galatians 6, 6, he says, Let him that is taught in the Word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. And, and while that good things can be very broad, how do you say thank you? 
It's, it's in giving. It's in money. We'll, we're going to go over in a minute and look in Philippians 1 and Philippians 4. And it's about money. It's about giving. Why? Because that's the manner in which we can uh, put on display our value. Now, don't get me wrong. It's wonderful to hear, hey, great message today, okay? Or not so good today, you know? It's okay. I just dismiss either one, all right? But the thing is, is when, and again, last time we looked at the, the attitude and then the place. You ought to be giving where you're fed, okay? And I'll be honest with you. It's not a right thing to, to be a thief of time and of energy and of effort and of message of people that are feeding you, see? Too oftentimes you become, we become thieves, and not thieves and that we're, you know, stealing money or anything, but just of the effort. You ought to be giving where you're fed. And that ought to be the, the center of it. And again, when, when you come to understand the Word of God rightly divided, you understand the sound doctrine, you begin to understand the grace life, then that's literally where you need to go. If you look here in, in verse 6, He which soweth sparingly shall also, what? Reap sparingly. See, there's a law of the harvest here. Now, while you're not gaining any more from God or gaining acceptance from God, you, there is a spiritual fruit that's going to come. And that's really what we're going to talk about this morning is answer that question, how much should I give? Okay? And then what is that reward of that giving? Because obviously in verse 6, what do we have? We have a sow and a reap. If I sow sparingly then what's the, benef- what's the bounty going to be to me in the future? Sparingly, okay? If I sow greatly and, and plentifully, bountifully, what's it going to be bountiful? Uh, just hold on here. Look over at Philippians 4, just, just so you see this. And again, we're going to be touching on these verses, and I'm going to try to pull out for you just some really some grace thinking about this. And I know, you know... I was flipping through the TV the other day, and I ran, a, I, you know, the menu. You see us. So I go to it, and it had something to do with, with some uh, music group. And it was on PBS, and they play a few minutes, and then what do they do? They beg for money. I'm not begging for your money. God isn't begging for your money. See, you need to have a proper understanding of the doctrine about this. Just as if you would doctrine of your justification or doctrine of your, about your identity and your walk. You need to have an understanding about this. Paul, Paul, Paul tells, uh, anyway, Philippians 4, look at verse 17. He says to the Philippians, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. See that? I want, you to have, I want you to have fruit that may abound to your what? To your account. See, you've got an eternity out there that giving, understanding proper grace giving, builds and adds into that because it's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of an understanding of, hey, this is what's needed. Okay, we, the local assembly needs to be here. It needs to be here for many generations if the Lord tarries, and this is how it's going to get done. Now, by the way, if succeeding and moving forward and preservation and all that had to do with how many ears of corn you had in the, in the storehouse, then what would we be asking for? Ears of corn. But they don't work on ears of corn. What do we work on? Dollar bills or monetary, see? So it's, it's not just, well, he, he's begging for money. I'm not begging for money, okay? I n- have never begged for money. And I don't want that to be the issue here. Now, when you think about how much, how much is expected? Well, the verse says, as a man has what? Purposed in his heart. Now, go back with me to Leviticus, because Leviticus 27. And, and I do this because I'm very conscious of the issue of giving and money in Scripture. Okay? Um, look at there at... Uh, Leviticus and verse in chapter 27. Leviticus 27. 
And notice, if you will, verse 32. 27.32. And concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passes under the rod, the what? The tenth shall be holy unto who? All right, so there's your 10% idea. That's where they get it from, the tenth, the tenth. And we're not running every verse about the tenth, okay? So when you hear them say, well, your tithe should be 10%, and then the question is, well, off the gross or the net, right? Which one? Off of both, see? That's the issue here. In Deuteronomy, if you come over to Deuteronomy chapter 14, and I don't want to dwell on this, but you need to understand where they're getting the tenth from. Deuteronomy 14, when Moses re-gives the, the ordinances and so forth to the new generation going into the land, he reminds them, verse 22, Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that yield, that the field bringing forth year by year. So what are we going to do? You're going to tithe, again, the tithe is what? A 10% off of what? Off the yield. Now, is that gross or net? Ooh, it's gross. It's what I yielded. It's all of it. Nobody's taking a piece out of it, see? Verse 27. And the Levite that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he hath no part nor inheritance with thee. At the end of three years, thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase the same year, and shalt lay it up within thy gates. Now let's think about that. If we're taking ten off the yield, off the gross, and now i got to go give another ten to the Levites, now I'm off of the what? I'm off the net, see? So I've got a here and a here. So don't let some preacher come along and say, well, you just give ten percent. No, they're giving 20% here, see? And then you go over into chapter 15, verse 1. In the end of the every seven years, thou shalt make a release. Now we're going to come over here, and we got a seven years. We're going to give it all back. You go back to Leviticus 25 in the year of Jubilee, and you release it all. So if I owe you money, guess what's going to happen in seven years? You're going to forgive the debt no matter what I've paid or not paid. And then in 50 years at the Jubilee, we're giving it all. And it's all of a sudden you've got to scratch your head and figure out where you're at. See? Why? Because back here, now come over to Luke. So when you go back, by, no, I'm sorry, you're in Deuteronomy. Go to chapter 12. You've got to see this in chapter 12. Okay? So you've got a tithing system. 10%, 10%, and then every few years you've got to give to the poor and all this stuff over here. So you, you, know, you calculate by 8 and divide by 3 and subtract 10, and you get about 23%. Okay? I don't, you know, it's crazy. And you know why it's so hard to figure out, honestly, why it's hard for any preacher? If you ask any preacher out there today about this stuff, he can't tell you clearly how much it is. You know why? Because it doesn't belong to you. That's why it doesn't make sense. It has nothing where you can understand it, but the fact is, is it doesn't belong to you. So when you start putting it down, you go, how in the world? I because I've done this. I've literally, I came up with 22.5. I came up with 24.8. I came up with 29.2. And I'm like, well, which one? And you know what it is? It's all of them. Because it depends on where you're at in the year. Seven years this, 50 years this. And it's like, you scratch your head. And it's not. Why? Because the law is designed to tell you what? You can't do it. By the way, they were to take a tithe. For the vacation time, the three times a year they go down to Jerusalem. Chapter 12, Deuteronomy. Look, if you will, at verse 6. On top of all of that, verse 6, And thither you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and your heave offerings of your hand and your vows and your free will offering and the firstlings of your herds and, on, and, and so off you go. Now, on top of all that, they got a free will. So guess what? 10% isn't enough. I get a chance to give more. And you're supposed to. Now, come over to Luke. All right? So if you want to live off the 10% rule, that's your business. That's between you and God. But I'm going to tell you what. You're going to bang your head up against the wall. Okay? 
Luke 12. Here's the Lord in his earthly ministry. And in the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the Gospels, giving wasn't, a tithe was no longer on the ten. Now it's 100%. Luke 12, verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. By the way, who's he talking to? Israel, the little flock, the believing remnant. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Wait a second, sell? That's selling everything. Chapter 14 of Luke. Chapter 14, verse 33. So likewise, well, that's not the verse. All right, Acts 2, keep moving. Acts 2. All right, so before Calvary, what did the Lord say? Sell it. Sell it all. He talks to that rich young ruler. That's the one I was looking for him, but it's not there, so don't worry about it. He talks to that rich young ruler, talks to him and says, I've done all that. I've kept all the laws. I've kept all the commandments. I've done them right there. And the Lord says, and go sell all that you have. And he goes, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> I can't do that. Why? Because he had possessions. He had great possessions, and the possessions had him. See? The Lord changed the rules here a little bit. There's a dispensational shift in this. Now, Calvary comes, and he dies. He's buried, and he rose again the third day. Chapter 1 of Acts, he's ascended into heaven. So where are we? We're on now in Acts 1 to 8. We're on New Testament ground. Okay? The Testament is in effect after the death of the testator, Hebrews says. So Old Testament is Genesis to John. Now we're on New Testament ground. The Lord is not present. He's gone. And watch Peter. Okay? Acts chapter 2. Notice verse 44. And all that believed were together, and all had things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. Isn't that? Whoa! 100% still in the bargain, isn't it? It didn't change to whatever the, you purpose in your heart. They're still what? On the hip for all of it. Why? Because what's coming for these folks? The kingdom. Okay? Come over to chapter 4. Chapter 4. You can start reading there. Well, verse 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the price of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. So what are they doing? They're selling out, baby. Why? Because the kingdom's coming. We only got a few years, and they're going to take care of us. But notice where they brought the money. To who? To the apostles' feet. Why? They're the leadership. It's their job to take care of, right? By the way, chapter 5, the first eight, nine verses there, there's a couple that didn't do it. They held it back. You know what happened? God judged them. New Testament ground, what's the price? 100%. See? What's the price in the kingdom? 100%. Now, you like that? That means everything you get comes right here and lays at my feet. Because I am the apostle. Right? That's what the preachers say. You guys chuckle, you know better. Okay? I hope you know better. <laughs> but if you want to help, I got bills, you know. Okay? You know how you make decisions and then they kind of turn sour? I got a couple of those. It's like, ugh. Okay. But see, the thing is, is, so we want to follow Jesus. How was Jesus' giving? 100%. See. Now, come over here to 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. My point is, folks, when you come to the issue of giving, you need to rightly divide it. You, if you say, you know what, I like the 10 number, 10% because that's an easy number to do, that's fine. That's between you and God. If you want to do 100 percenter, that's fine. That's between you and God. Because here's what the word is. By the way, just FYI, they laid it at Peter's feet, the apostles' feet. Do you know what happened in Acts 9? Their program was interrupted. Now think about this. 
Because you're a person, you're a human. Peter now says God's doing something else over here with the Gentiles. What's the first thing you think comes up? Where's my money? Where's my stuff? I sold it and I brought you the price and put it at your feet. Peter's just run off with the money. He's a liar. Can you see what's happening? That's why you need 2 Peter 3 in your Bible. Because what does Peter do in 2 Peter 3? He says, listen, you know why the delay's been? It isn't that God isn't going to do what he said he's going to do. It's because you need to go read Paul and find out about the delay. In the pro, you, see, you need to rightly divide that book. That's why Peter writes 2 Peter. Okay, why? Because he just got labeled a liar, a fraud, a cheat, the whole bit, because we brought it late. Now, that's a by the way, okay? <laughs> There's a, nothing is that, anyway, 1 Corinthians 9. It says, get back on notes. Okay. Did I, 2 Corinthians, you're, you're right, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians, okay? That, that, by the way, that thought about Peter just went right through and stopped, so... You got a little extra this morning, all right? Second Peter, not Second Corinthians nine. So when you think about today in the age of grace, the amount of your giving is never, never, never mandated by the Apostle Paul, by God to you. It's not my job to tell you. Okay, what does nine seven say? Every man according as he what purposed in his heart purposed if you hold here real quick look back at acts 11 that issue about purpose paul uses it in acts 11 in verse 29 he's talking about the collection for the poor saints at jerusalem okay romans 15 he says then the disciples every man according to his ability so purpose, ability, that's the, that's the insight. How much, how much does the work of ministry, the local church, mean to you and to your family? So the amount that you come up with willingly to give is the demonstration of your value and love for Christ, appreciation for Christ, and I'll be honest with you, maturity. Because when you, because I know people who just don't give. I get it, okay? It doesn't mean that they're over here in the corner with not, no maturity, see? It's just they're not what? Able. That's fine. It's not about, it's not a look in and say, I'm going to get more. Not, no, you got it all. You're blessed. You're complete. By the way, verse 8, you've got all grace abounding, that all thing, having all sufficiency. It isn't any of that. It isn't an indictment. And Paul, Paul tells the Corinthians, I write this not to shame you, but to get. It isn't that at all, see. It's rather, what is the value there? How do you value that? How do you demonstrate that? Come over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul has a lot to say about money, by the way. Why you, why you make it, why you work, things like that. But he starts the conversation here in 1 Timothy 6. And again, my goal this morning isn't to put you under a guilt trip. That's not it at all. If you feel guilty, that's between you and God, okay? Because I don't. Somebody asked me one time, well, do you see the offering box? You know when I see how much people give? is at the end of the year when I sign the giving statements that we had to sign in the past. Nowadays, they've loosened a lot of that. I don't look and go, okay, you know, oh, I'm going to get him. No, not at all. Okay? God will get you. I don't have to. All right? Yeah, okay? Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, how's that one for a good giving verse, right? Boom! No, he's not going to do that, okay? Look at 1 Timothy 6. Look at verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. You know why? Because the religious, the apostasy says you have to have gain to be godly. Mega churches beat us like 10 to 1. 
Whoa, look, God's over there. You know what? In Scripture, God's never in the big. He's always in the little. Okay? Gideon shows up. He's got a big old army, whittles them all down to, what, about 300? Thousands down to 300. He's never in the big. Verse 7, for we brought nothing. But By the way, what a way to think about life. We brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be therewith, what? Content. But they that will be rich fall into... T- now, now, notice the wording. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Okay, now drop down to verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. He's not talking about it being bad to be rich. He's talking about an attitude and a thought process about those riches. Okay? Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after... They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, the love of money. Money isn't the problem. It's what? The love of. But it's the root of what? All evil. Why? Because they do what? They coveted after it. Colossians 3, verse number 5 says that covetousness is idolatry. So what are they doing? They're worshiping the money. Okay? That's what they're doing. So you see, the, lo- the, the root of all of it, see, the love of money, that's where the, 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 the issue is. The willingness, if the love of money is the root of all evil, then the willingness to give up money is the root of grace. You see, the amount isn't the issue if you have the proper grace, attitude, thinking, gratitude, motivation about it. Money is just a mechanism to get life work done. So Paul talks about money. And he says, "There's real, you're in Timothy. Look in chapter 5. Look at verse 8. So if, if 2 Corinthians 9, 7... So as a man purposed in his heart, what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna, to uh, set up some, uh, you got 1 Timothy 5. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, just real quick. I gave you these verses, and I'm thinking about them, and I was just going to say this. But look at 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Now, concerning the collection for the saints. So, again, this is about the poor saints in Jerusalem, Romans 15. As I've given order. See how Paul's now going to give the manner in which it's to be taken care of. Verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Do you know what that's called? That's called having a plan. Not doing stuff just on the fly. In other words, getting to church and going, oh, man, all I got is a tenor. $10 $10 bill. So that's what's going in the office. No, it's having a plan. So the first thing I need to do is have what? A systematic a plan here about, okay, here's what we're going to do. Now go back to 1 Timothy uh, 5. What am I going to do? I'm going to have a plan. And that plan is going to be how I purpose what I give. 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially of For those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So what's the first thing on the agenda in the giving order here? Taking care of my own. See that? Now, by the way, what do I need for my own? Food and raiment. That's it. Well, no, they need an iPod and an iPad and an iPhone and an Apple. No, they don't. What do they need? Food and raiment. See Because now we start talking about giving sacrificially. We'll get there in just a second. Okay? Number one reason to go make money is what? Provide for my family. What do they need? Food and raiment. See? Now, I know the other things are great babysitters. I get that. And I understand that's where everything is today. And I'm not. But what do you really need? Now, come over to Ephesians 4. 
Ephesians 4. You've got to kind of think, I don't know, think about this. I do. <laughs> Ephesians 4, look at verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good. That, all right, why do you labor with your hands that which is good? Well, 1 Timothy 5.8 just told me to do it or else I'm worse than an infidel. Paul's going to say, if a man don't work, he don't eat. So, and I like to eat. <laughs> that he may have to give to him that needeth. Another issue is what? Helping others that need help. Sometimes you know people who need help. Now, 2 Corinthians 9 and, and, and 2 Corinthians, yeah, 2 Corinthians 9. And this is going to get back in here where we are, 2 Corinthians 9. And just notice real quick verse 12. For the administration of this service, and again, the service is the issue in verse 7 of the cheerful giver. Not only supplieth the want of the who. So now what are we doing? Now we're giving at the local assembly to take care of what needs to be, but it is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto who? Unto God. See, now, not only am I providing for my family, not only do I have the capacity to help if someone needs help, but I also have the capacity to do what? Help the, over here in the local ministry. Okay? That brings us, chapter 8, to the, the next issue here about giving. So you're going to set up a plan. You're going to have a purpose. You're going to look at things. You're going to take care of what you know, your family needs and what and how I can help with the local church and so forth. But then in chapter 8, look, if you will, there at verse 7, Therefore, as ye have abounded in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Again, this grace also. Verse 1 and 2, the grace of the issues of giving. I speak not by commandment, but by occasions of the forwardness of others to prove the sincerity of your love. So how am I going to do that? I'm going to give how? Sacrificially. I'm going to look at this, and I, I, I picked on Starbucks last week, so let's pick on Dutch Brothers today, okay? Uh, you know what? I, I'm Because I'll get the rest of the room, right? I'm not going to have... Why? Because... It's a sacrifice. And I know it's a silly illustration, but that's what it is. Okay? Now, so how, do, how, how much should I give? You figure that out. You know your system. I don't need to see your four, uh, 1040s and all that good stuff. That's none of my business. That's none of the church's business. That's between you and God. This is what we're going to do. we got a plan. We sit. Linda and I sit every month. We look at our monthly issues our monthly budget if you will and we say okay here it is and so we put a check in and then i get yelled at by the treasurer don't put a check in because I'm, I'm like yeah but well you know <laughs> it's hard habits to break see so i slip it in on the deposit side <laughs> just get it in there you know why because that's what and so forth so you sit you have a plan you figure it out here's what we're gonna do then when i do that what's the reward because there's a reward to this that you can experience now in time, but also out in eternity. You, you guys with me? All right. Look at Philippians 4. Look at just, just you got to have kind of think about this. So I'm gonna, my giving, my attitude is going to be grace motivated and, and an appreciation of everything I have in Christ. I'm going to come and I appreciate the, the ministry here at Southwest Bible Fellowship. So there's the object of my giving. And then I'm going to come over here and I'm going to make sure I have a decent order set up. I'm taking care of, every, of all my responsibilities. And if wonderful one day that I have the ability to help others, then I'm going to do that. Okay? The biggest, the biggest thing that hurts in church giving is the issue of debt, personal debt. Why? Because then I can't. Because why? I have an obligation. I have, okay? I could quote you all the stats, but you don't need that. All right? 
Look at Philippians 4. In Philippians 4, Paul is in prison. He's working there, and he says some things here. Verse 15. Now you you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, by the way, the beginning of the gospel, where? Acts 9. For Philippi, the, the Philippian jailer, Acts 16. When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessities, not because I desire a gift, but but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. What's Paul looking for? Them to understand. Fruit to your account. There's a reward here that's coming in to you. Now, we're blessed with all spiritual blessings. We've got all of that, but there's a reward coming over here now in the issue of living godly and living in line with the, with the, the doctrines learned. Verse 18, but I have all and abound. I am full. Why am I full? Why do I have all? Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent unto you, from you, And now watch this, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Now think about that verse. Here these poor folks are, 2 Corinthians 8, they're deep poverty. They get a gift together. They, They want Paul to take it. Paul won't take it. He's arguing with them. He finally takes it and goes off into Macedonia and Thessalonica and does this stuff. He tells the Corinthians, I robbed churches to come do you service. And he goes and does all that. Meanwhile, he gets thrown in jail. Epaphroditus shows up, and he's got a gift basket with him. And he gives it to Paul, and he says that this was all we could do right now. We'll do better. We'll do more next time. And Paul says, I don't need it, man. I'm good. We're good. Why? Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, his attitude of thinking about it, they're thinking about it. And you know what he says? It's a sacrifice. Why? Because you know what they couldn't have? They couldn't have a Dutch brothers. They sent the money over here to Paul. They couldn't go down here and have the latest automobile. Well, in their case, camel or whatever. They sent it over here. You see, there's a sacrifice here. And what does he say? That's fruit abounding to your eternal account here. Why? Because you're taking the Word of God and you're living it. What's important to me? The Word rightly divided. The sound doctrine having a place for my family to come and to participate and to learn and to grow spiritually and to be involved. And that's where I'm going to give my monies. That's where I'm placing my my value. Now come back to 2 Corinthians 9. Hold on to Philippians there if you want. You don't have to, but we're going to bounce back and forth. You see, folks, when we talk about the reward, we're not talking about you getting another bigger blessing than me or I, you. Because we already got all that. Now we're talking about letting the work work, letting the word work in you and then out through you. That's what we're talking about. Because in the moment, guess what? (laughs) I can reap the benefit of it. Have you reaped the benefit of being here? I have. Tremendously. I can reap it now. See. Now look at first second Corinthians nine. Look at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency, uh, that ability to stand alone, lacking nothing, firmly grounded, may abound to every good work. Now, the parenthesis of verse 9 and 10, they explain the ability of God to be the ultimate provider okay verse 11 just for because of time being what enriched in everything again in everything how verse 9 and 10 what did he just do for me look at who i am in christ i've all of this stand this bountifulness the exceeding riches of his grace i'm over here though he was poor he, became, he was rich, he became poor, so that I would be what? Rich. See, I'm enriched 
in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us, what? Thanksgiving to God. You see, the means of our bountifulness, the means of our enrichment, the means of the riches, the exceeding riches of His grace, when I live in that, what does God get? Thanksgiving, glory. So God has already enriched you. You're wealthy in everything. See, You're able to, Colossians 3, set your affections on things above. Why? Because this stuff down here is temporal. It's going to go away. If I die or if the Lord comes back, it's gone. It's gone. What an attitude to have. He's blessed us. And in, in in his blessing us is what produces the bountifulness. We love him because he what? First loved us. See, when you give today, you're not going to get it back. You put money in the offering box. I don't write the refund check. See, But where do I? Ha- I'm going to reap it over here in my life. Because what am I doing? I'm participating in what God's doing today. And I'm valuing and I'm esteeming that. Hold on to 2 Corinthians. Look at Philippians 1. Because here's the attitude of those wonderful saints at Philippi. Verse 3. Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Could you imagine the apostle saying that of you? Because every time the mail carrier went by, there was a little envelope in there that had his name on it that had a little financial help. He wasn't looking for it. It just shows up. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making uh, requests with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel... From the first day until now. You see that fellowship in the God? How did they fellowship with him in the gospel? Chapter 4, 15 to the end of that chapter. Well, they, they were sending support to him. See, they were working with him. Now come back to 2 Corinthians 9. And they were doing it not to gain anything. They're in deep poverty. But rather they're doing it because of what's important to them. Seeing Paul... The apostle, get out there, get the message out, get the next, 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 next. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 12, For the administration of this service not only, I love this, supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. So what am I going to do? I'm going to supply for the saints. What's the result? God gets the thanksgiving. See that? I'm giving over here for the work of the ministry. Who's getting the thanks? God gets it. I don't get a tax write-off. That's not why I'm giving. I don't do this. I I give because the Word's working in me. Verse 13. Whilst by, I love this, the experiment of this ministration. They glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. Look at that. They glorify who? They glorify God. Why? When? Not why. When? Because you're giving. And you're able, the ministry is able to flow. Verse 14, And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God. Notice, it's an exceeding what? Grace of God. Where? In you. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. I long after you. They want to they be with you. See that in verse 14? And by their prayer for you, which long after you. They want to be in your presence. Why? Because they've heard of the reputation you have of taking care of and, and providing for. And again, I'll submit to you, verse 15 is much more than Calvary here. Calvary's taken care of in the book of Romans. This is the life of Christ living in you and out through you in the arena of grace giving. 
proper motivation, proper thought process, proper attitude. See? And then I have that grace giving produces an opportunity for you to fellowship in the gospel, for you to be a part of the work of ministry. Many years ago, we had a lady here. She's with the Lord now. She came to me, and we were going to the swap meet, and she says, Rick, I just can't be out there like that physically. And I said, that's okay, don't worry. But she goes, but here, and she gave me a check. Buy the tracks. Pay for the Bibles. And it was a big check. And I'm like, well, this is way too much. She goes, no. Buy, buy them some drinks then or some food or something for the table. I was like, wow. What was that? That's the message, wanting to get that message out into the community. And I can't go do it, but you know what I can do? I can help fund it. I can help move. See, That's the thinking here. That's the process. Grace giving produces an opportunity for spiritual growth. Okay? Why? Because now what do I have to... Well, look here at 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. What do I have? God is able to what? Make all grace abound toward you. I have all sufficiency. I have everything in Christ. I have everything in the doctrine. I know that. I've learned that. I've put it into my inner man. And now what am I going to do? I'm going to have to turn over here and I'm going to have to learn how to operate on that doctrine. And when it comes to the arena of... Come over to chapter 8. Of grace giving and the offering box, and making sure the sustainability of the local assembly here, what am I going to do? I'm going to give as a what? A cheerful giver. Not thinking I'm gaining anything, but rather as an opportunity for that doctrine that I learn and love and come to enjoy and come to desire to have more of, does what? Continues going. 2 Corinthians 8. Verse 1, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And the grace of God here is the issue of giving. Okay, How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record. Watch Paul brag on these people, but watch how he brags on them. And beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of, to the saints. There's that fellowship of the gospel, Philippians 1, see? Where are we? Fellowship to who, though? The saints. There's chapter 9, verse 12, taking care of the needs and the wants of the saints. What do the saints need? They need the truth. They need the edification. They need the growth. Verse 5, And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Do you know what Paul, look at Paul brag on them. Here's some saints deep in poverty. They, they got the last two nickels, they rubbed them together. And you know what they did? They first had a gift over here for me. And I told them I didn't want them. They just begged me to take it, so we took it. But you know what caused all that? You know what the motivation behind all that was? Verse 5, they first gave themselves to who? To the Lord. They came in and they said, you know what? We... Here we are, a bunch of dirty, rotten, rascal, Gentile dogs. We don't deserve any of this. And His grace has bestowed all of this on us. How, what less do we have? What a duty we have to take care of the ministry if we can. And they did. We don't have the time, but Paul will get in with the Corinthians and he'll say there needs to be an equi equality here, an equability here. Because not everybody can always give. So when you're not giving, someone else is. And when someone else can't, you need to pick it up. See? My point, come back, come back to 2 Corinthians 13. You see, folks, when we give according to grace giving, according to the proper attitude, the proper thinking process, and then we're giving where we are being fed, then the amount is really is no longer the issue. That's going to be de decided by what I've purposed, 
as, as you've looked at your family and at what you have going on and where you can do, that's between you and God. Then there is a reward eternally because we're able to fellowship in the work of the ministry. But also it gives us that opportunity to grow spiritually because we can then come over and examine our life and say, wait a minute, I really don't need dish satellite. I really don't need that new truck. I really don't need the pontoon boat. I'm trying to think of things I like, okay? Because I'm touching all of you, I know. I really, but, but again, what can I do? I can begin to examine that. Now, there's nothing wrong with dish or pontoon boat or new truck. There's nothing wrong with it, see. Actually, I would encourage you to have a new truck or a new car, okay? The way it costs and everything, get it while you can because you might not be here. But the point is, is I can do what? Spiritually, I can sit there and say, you know what? I can make a sacrifice. And as we look at our lives and we make some hard decisions about life, why? Because that's the word working in you effectually that believe. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, mature. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints salute you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. What better fitting way to think about giving than verse 11 and tie it with verse 14? Because that's what it's all designed to bring, is that communion and the love and the grace of into your life, which is going to produce some comfort and some peace and some stability. And he says, that's what I need. That's farewell, brother. Be of good cheer. I mean, wow. It's like, whoa. Okay? Now, we've been talking about the Grace Reset. We're going to go talk about some other things here the rest of the summer. But think about this. You ought to examine this. Look into it. You give what you give. That's between you and the Lord. I told you last Sunday, as long as I'm alive and standing here, the doors in this place will be open. Okay? And that's just the way I feel about it. You feel the way you feel about it. All right? All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I just pray that your word would work in our lives effectually, have the effect in our lives that you would have for us to have, so that our activity in our lives would redound to your honor and to your glory, so that ultimately, in the end of the day, you are the center of everything. In your name we pray, amen.